Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast, episode 106. The Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast is two blokes that have known each other forever who catch up most days in the Melbourne CBD to talk everything Essendon Football Club. My name is Grant and with me is Scott. Hello, everyone. Good to be back. Uh, the Dreamtime Clash um, was pretty, a uh, pretty amazing spectacle and... Uh, I think we're going to start off the show uh, a little bit on a positive note, but look, we're, we've got a huge um, lineup tonight. This is going to be one Big, of our longest shows. Just because no, no, no. This apart from apart from I think Scotty Lucas and Ron Connolly and stuff. This is our biggest show. We've got a great bonus um, 30 minutes and a, a bonus episode, basically, at the end of the podcast. Yeah, so look, just to run through, uh, we're going to just do a quick introduction, myself and Grant. Uh, after the break, Ronnie Lerner is going to join us uh, on the phone, uh, have, a, have a good chat. And then uh, on our third segment, uh, what we did, uh, not many people, uh, if you're not a member of our Patreon uh, group, um, you would you www.patreon.com forward slash lunchtime catch up yeah you you obviously would miss quite a few of our shows we have a team change team changes show uh, and for the dreamtime game we asked for one of our um, friends ben to come on now ben is a was an indigenous social worker uh, he has an amazing story to tell uh, of of his best friend who was his uh, who was indigenous uh, grew up through the footy program, saw how Indigenous footballers went about things and, and the and the real harsh challenges they have. Uh, the feedback from that show that we did on um, oh, it might have been Wednesday or Thursday was yep. was um, was incredible, and, and people thought it would be good to br- put it out in the broader audience. So, uh, yeah, a big yeah. a big sorry to interrupt, Scotty. A big thank you to our patreons. There, I mean, we uh, we have the Patreon page and. and for uh, as little as two bucks a month, you can get that, all that extra content from us, the the, um, the team selection show, the post-game reaction show um, on the Patreon. And the guys, they they pay for it. They pay for that Patreon um, extra content. But in this particular case, we had so many guys and girls from Patreon say um, that whilst they appreciate the, the extra content that we had with Ben on, they think it should be shared with everybody um, and the, the whole, our entire audience. So that's what we're going to do today. And a massive thank you to our Patreons for, uh, for letting that happen. Yeah. And look, it can be as low as $2 to join the Patreon and, and listen to uh, every show for that month. It's just $2 a month. So it, it, it's, yep. it's, uh, it's good value, but yeah, so that's going to be the third segment. Uh, we'll introduce it at the time. Uh, it's a not to be missed, a really great story. He has, he talks for almost 10 minutes on, on um, Irvin Mosquito's journey. Uh, and then he, uh, he also covers Lachlan Johnson um, and just a, his own personal story. So uh, lots of stuff for Essendon fans uh, to really treasure. Uh, so, look, let's go back to the Dreamtime Clash. Uh, 10 goals, 161, 10, 13, 73. Richmond uh, get over the top. Uh, it had a bit of controversy, I'll say, this this game. There was a, you know, if we're for being honest, there was a, quite a controversial decision in the, in the second quarter. Uh, Quite, absolutely. Uh, which is, you know, resulted in fines for staging to two Richmond guys. Uh, it was very frustrating uh, because we obviously had kicked the previous two goals and this would have been three goals in a row. And uh, momentum. Uh, yeah, and, I've, you know, I think we'll, by memory, like 10 points up if, if, if Wallet was allowed that goal. 
Um, so look, it, it was frustrating because we we clearly, as Grant said, had had good momentum, and you know it's no guarantee that we're going to win the game. Obviously, we all saw the inside fifty count, but it, it does. You know, momentum can be a big thing in football, and you can sort of kick five or six goals in a in a hurry if you've got it. So it, it definitely was a a big moment as as John Westfell called out. I'm glad he called it out. Uh, like him to call it out a bit tougher, but but that's you know maybe I'm being picky, but. It was a frustrating, but overall, look, I will say that I actually enjoyed the game. I enjoyed the, the, the pre-entertainment. Uh, I loved the lead up. I just loved, you know, I'm not trying to be over romantic here, but I love just the smiles of the people in the crowd and just the joy of seeing, you know, Michael Long on the boundary line and Gavin Wanganina on the boundary line, just talking to each other and Mosquito and Waller and you got, Richmond with Rioli and and to seeing those kind of names, Long, Rioli, you know, Tim and Woody, uh, it, it just would have been so special for that crowd. And, and you know, I it was hard for me, even though I hate us losing, I still felt after the game I, I didn't have that kind of real anguish because I still felt the occasion, if that makes sense. I, I still celebrated the occasion of Dreamtime that it was played in Darwin in, in, in such the heartland of Indigenous people. And so overall, you know, I would have loved us to win. Uh, the, we definitely put in effort. Uh, I'm not I'm not going to slam, you know, it's not a show where I'm overly going to slam things. That, there was obviously some things we got wrong. Uh, two things I will say, a really interesting tactic of uh, Devin Smith playing off the half-back line. And, him, and, you know, with that, he gets 27 possessions. Uh, and it felt like it was probably the most comfortable he's been on the ground for, for a while. Uh, and then the other one was just the the tactic, which was being discussed in the media today, of, of Essendon having extra, um, base, basically playing almost eight defenders. Uh, so what it does is actually kind of allow Richmond to get the ball more easy and, and put it inside 50, hence the... Huge discrepancy. Huge. Uh, but it, it does also, I think what the thinking behind that was truck and carousella is they know that game plan, but it, it kind of really um, provided really awkward entries for Richmond and, and we just bolted up that whole back line. And uh, it's an interesting tactic because, I mean, <laughs> I mean, when you lose by 12 points, you 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 can say it's, you know, it's, it's kind of, kind of worked because they're, they're probably a five or six goal better side than us. Uh, but it, yeah, some might say with that kind of discrepancy of money, minus 42 inside fifties that, that uh, they, you know, and if they kick straight, they're 10, 13, we're 10, one, they kick, you know, they, yeah, they kick four or five of those yeah. points. Then it's, then it exactly is a five, six goal game. So yeah. Go. What do you think? Yeah, Matt, I, 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 I wanted to sort of jump back a, a few seconds to what you said earlier is that, we uh, some of the Patreons. Speaking of our fabulous Patreons, uh, they let me know. They let me know that potentially I was a little, uh, a little um, uh, downbeat, a little <laughs> bit downbeat, a little bit negative on the overall uh, performance of the boys. And look, I, I two points. I I'd, my the negativeness came from the fact that we just lost another game. Um, it, that's what five in a row now. And again, it's only because we're so starved of some serious success and. There are some holes in that side that that just aren't being fit uh, fixed or filled every week, 
and we're continuing to lose games. And it's it's really disappointing, and it might have got to me a little bit. <laughs> but I wanted to move on from that and just say, as a spectacle, I 100% agree with you, Scotty. I, I loved every second of that game from that incredible speech from the indigenous um, leader that had that came up, that is a passionate man with a passionate voice. That was an incredible way to kick off a, a game of football, and everybody's hair would have been up on the back of their neck. But one point I wanted to say from talking to um, to Ben, he he said something that stuck with me, and you could see the the smiles on the faces of all the, um, especially the indigenous guys and girls that were there, and the kids as well. Um, even just some of the ex-players, like Longy had a smile on his face. Um, Mozzie, of course, had the world's biggest smile on his face. <laughs> but Ben said something that really stuck with me in that he said, AFL football, when it's played either in the NT or they see um, young Indigenous role models like Longy and, and Riolis and, and, and now Moz, it gives them a sense of pride that sometimes they they struggle to find um, in Australia. And that really stuck with me is to see one of their own guys and girls running around in the AFL at the, at the highest level. It gives them a, 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 an element of pride as an Indigenous person. So that if, if that was the case and there was people all around, Indigenous people all around that stadium feeling pride at watching Mozzie burst through a pack and kick two, that, that makes me smile. That really does. And... I've seen on Facebook today, should we play the Dreamtime game in the NT every single year? And I would absolutely back that in a heartbeat. Now, it's going to come down to the fact that you get 80,000 plus at the MCG for that game every single year. And you would basically, you would be taking, I don't know, 150 grand off the clubs, each Richmond or Essendon every year because... TIO is just not going to hold the same amount of people as 80 grand at the at the G. Therefore, they won't make as much money. But I would love to see the AFL go one year on and one year off. Like you can have one year at the G, one year at TIO and vice versa. So, because that was an incredible spectacle and absolutely something that I've watched the replay again and something that I was, I'm really proud to see the Essendon um, jumper in that game. Um, and as, as a spectacle, it was great. The boys did try hard towards the end, but again, mate, we've come out with another loss, and it's just it's disappointing. But we are up. We are about. We are jumping um, up on the air for this podcast, and uh, we're going to move on from that loss um, and just concentrate on the spectacle that it was. Yeah, exactly. So, Glenn McFallon, a, a, a really good journalist, actually made an interesting point, saying, "You know, do does the AFL look at having Essendon Richmond play twice a year, have the Dreamtime Clash of the G, and then have the second game in, at the end of the year, like round nineteen and twenty, when it's a little bit less, you know? I normally there's maybe one side out of the eight or whatever. Yep. It's, uh, have that up in Darwin, uh, and I thought that's an interest, actually, an interesting concept. Um, so, uh, it, it was just, yeah, I mean." To see a debutant kick two goals oh, in, the, in the first 30 or 40 minutes. He's second Mate, goal. My, my oh. neighbours, the, the second one he kicked when he burst through that pack, my neighbours heard, absolutely heard my voice. It was the perfect spot, the natural talent of the kid, just to spot the rove off the pack, burst through, and no one was catching him. And then he, he was smart enough to to slow the jets for a second, concentrate on the kick and finish beautifully. He's got a beautiful looking left boot, that kid. 
Well, there was a touch. I will say a touch. There was a touch of Cyril, if I'm being honest. Oh, I that don't. Was, yeah, that absolutely. That was a very right. Cyril-like moment, and I was like, oh, you know, any any. It looked like he got a bit of a. I don't know if it was a corky or knocked to the leg, and just wasn't moving as well the second half, yeah. which, which was a bit of a shame. But I mean, you saw enough. You went, oh, okay, that's what we've got. Fantastic. Oh, and mate, <laughs> some of his tackles, like I've I've seen TAC, TAC's cup um, videos of him tackling people, and Scotty Scotty sent me some clips of him in the TAC and um, and running around um, uh, for Gippsland and that. And I swear, like, did you notice some of his tackles? He he takes off <laughs> and is like horizontal with the ground as he lunges at people to tackle them. And that one tackle where he's gone, the um, it's not a chicken wing, it's like a it's a perfect tackle. It's one arm around the waist, one arm pinning the other arm to your body so you cannot get a handball away. Mate, when he gets some confidence, he's going to be him and Mozzie. The professional. That was Scotty's mobile. Very professional. Um, just my manager. That's just clearly, yeah, that's ESPN ringing us. <laughs> oh, there's mine. Um, ringing us um, to uh, yeah, offer us a job, clearly. Um, no, when that, when that kid is up and about and gets some regular football, he's going to look really good. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, hang on. Are we, are we, what are we doing? Are we going to do the podcast? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my phone's okay. going nuts. Uh, look, so, look, in um, – in all seriousness, you know, there's a lot to discuss. I think what I'm going to do is going to leave a lot of questions with Ronnie uh, and have him kind of go through a little bit of some of the players, some of the some of the um, where the club's at, uh, what we can may possibly do, you know, end of year. But we'll discuss the game, see see what his thoughts are. So look, let's get let's get him after the break. See you soon. And welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. On the line is one of our favourite guests. Uh, We always seem to uh, catch up with Ronnie Lerner. How are you, Ronnie? Very well. Thanks for having me again, fellas. Uh, no, it's it's such a pleasure to have you on, mate. Uh, you're always a friend of the show, um, and and great supporter of the show, and 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 we love your own work as well. So, look, uh, the Dreamtime Clash. Uh, I'll give you my little quick thoughts, and I'd just love to see what your sort of um, I guess feedback is as well, and where where you see kind of things sit. Personally, me, look. I, I actually found it strangely an enjoyable game, even though we lost. Uh, and, and there's lots of positives and negatives. But, uh, I mean, first of all, just the the, the pre-game, uh, that, whatever that welcome to country speech, that man, I wanted to play football after that speech, by the way. Yeah, that, that, guy, that, guy was, that guy can talk. And, you know, you obviously have an exciting debutant. Um, he kicks two goals in the first half. Uh, you have Scott Draper, you had Jordan Ridley, um, uh, Parrish with his eight clearances. Uh, I, there was kind of like this, um, even Langford with his hands was fantastic. There, there was like these obvious positives and, and the positives I liked coming out of it was the youngsters. Uh, I guess you have to look at the negatives as well. And minus 42 inside 50s is going to stand out like a sore thumb. Uh, I, I just want to, for me, I don't know if you got this sense. It felt like we played a spare back um, and that was a deliberate tactic. 
which allowed kind of Richmond to have a bit more of the ball and, and get a bit more inside 50s. And it's hard to know whether that tactic overly worked or, or not. So uh, how did you sort of see it all unfolding? It was a very unusual game to analyse with with the, the possessions being equal, but you have this mammoth inside 50 count that's just so skew if. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point, you know, it did seem it did seem to look a bit like of a, a bit of a rope dope um, being employed and um, possibly trying to pitch the win on, on the counter, perhaps. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, Sam Draper, I think, was the one that was playing that sort of loose. Yeah. Like he, he sort of played like that Max Dorn, sort of what he does for Melbourne. He, he dropped back. And I thought he was fantastic. I think I think he had eight intercepts. So was that uh, top two or three for Essendon? He would have definitely been top five in the game for intercepts. So he he's coming along really nicely. I thought he did a good job on Solder. Yeah. Um, he, he's getting better and better each week. So you can start finally see what all the uh, the hoopla was about him over the last couple of years and why St Kilda often did him a four year deal, having not even played a game yet. So you can sort of see why that's all happening now. Um, but yeah, I, I, I thought. I thought Essendon was a little bit lucky in some instances with, you know, Richmond's goal kicking was a little bit off, but you could also argue that some of the positions they were forced to take their shot from weren't, you know, were probably low percentage. So there was a bit of that as well. And, and I agree with you. I thought, listen, if Ridley's not winning Essendon's best and fairest at this stage of the year, uh, maybe Zach Merritt might be up there with him as well. But Sadie, I think Ridley, yeah. Yeah. Ridley has been sensational this year and he continued that. Last night, I thought he was helped really well by Hurley and Saad um, down back. So, listen, Essendon's back line is usually always the, more often than not, sort of the one area of the ground where you can't really knock. I mean, they've been so consistent down that part of the ground for decades now, like going back to 2000. I, I, that's, that's one part of the ground where, you know, Essendon fans probably have had fewest complaints about. It's always been rock solid down there. It's yep. um, further up the ground, which I'm sure we'll talk about later on in the chat. Gus and I twenty twenty one, but um, but yeah, I, th- I think you, you make some good points. I think um, but like the, the inside fifty count, it can be a little bit misleading because as as you know, like you know, if 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 a team's getting repeat inside fifties, that means they're not kicking goals. That means they're being held back. That means you know, what I mean, like yeah, a, a coach's ideal inside fifty count would be twenty inside fifty, twenty goals. You know what I mean? A goal every inside fifty. So it's not a, really like go, go into that fundamental level, but um, but. Yeah, I mean, 42 difference is probably, you know, I mean, that, 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 that's too much. Like, if, you, if, you're entering, if you're entering your 450 24 times, what's that, six times a quarter, it's, it's not um, conducive uh, to winning a game of football. And even, but even within that, though, Essence still kicked 10 goals one. And I thought, I thought um, Stewart, I thought Mosquito, and I thought um, McDonald, Tip and Woody were pretty good from limited opportunities. I think James Stewart was second for score involvement for Essendon, only behind Merritt. So, I mean, that's a pretty good effort for considering, you know, Essendon had 24 inside 50s. So, he's, he's awesome. I'm really wrapped for James Stewart because he had, he had such a long road to come back to this point and he's, yeah, he's, starting to, he's slowly but surely reaping the rewards um, of that, of that you know, commitment to getting back onto the park after over two years out of the game. So, so yeah, there were, there were some positives and there were some negatives for sure. Mate, I guess one question I've got for you, and, and you, it sort of ties into what you said just a minute ago, that the, the Don's back line for ages now, um, anchored by Hooker and Hurley, and you can throw Ambrose in there, and uh, Marty Gleeson's done well down there, and then you add 
Adam Saad, who's just slotted in there beautifully. And then Connor as a player has come along and he's turned into an incredible pair of halfbacks, giving us drive off the back line, um, breaking lines, running through the middle and that sort of stuff. Then you add, I, I reckon has to be, has to be in, uh, uh, in place for the Crichton in um, Ridley. You chuck Ridley in there and it just looks like one of the better back lines in the comp. Um, well, can you can you answer why the Dons would try and and break that up and move Connor out of there? Well, there's there's a few few suggestions um, <laughs> that go around that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I don't know how how official this is, but you do hear you do hear rumours that Connor just isn't happy and want like almost. Uh, Demanded that he wanted to play out for. I mean, I don't know how true that is or how accurate those reports are. I'm not going to say they're 100%, but that could be a reason for that. I mean, there were a few, uh, there were a few instances when he was playing out forward where you could sort of see the logic because he was, he, you know, he created a bit and set up a few, uh, goals and sort of, um, from where he was in the fourth half of the ground was able to sort of put the jets on and, break a few lines, but I just think it, it happened way too few and far between to justify it. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, and then he, he exited the team with the hip injury this week. I, I, personally, he's playing like, just the way I see it, he's playing like a guy who just doesn't want to be there anymore. I've got to be quiet. Honest. I just think he, he cannot wait to go back to Ireland. He stated that, he stated that on many uh, instances on the public record. He, he he doesn't think he's going to be here next year. I think he's playing like someone that's thinking like that. His head just does not seem to be in the game. I mean, there was that one instance against St Kilda last week. I don't know what he was doing when he was running into a pretty much an open goal from 40 out and then does the solo. Like, what was that all about? Yeah, I, just could not, I could not believe that. See, to me, that's a sign of a guy that just isn't – he's not taking it seriously anymore. Do you know what I mean? He's just out there for giggles and laughs. And that's just not on. If that's the case, which it seems like it is, well, then give your spot to someone else who's going to be there for the next 10 years. If you want to go to Ireland next year, that's fine. Listen, no one's, no one's um, begrudging you know, someone being homesick and wanting to go back to be with his family. Like I can only imagine what it's been like. I mean, he's been with Essendon for seven or eight years now, so it's been a, it's a long time away from home. But having said that, I mean, you can't put someone who's in that mindset that just doesn't seem like he's taking his job seriously anymore. You know, he's playing games while Essendon's season's still alive and that's, that's just not pretty, not, not the way to go. I, I just think if he's, if he's in that frame of mind, which it doesn't look like he is, then I just don't see any value in playing him for the rest of the year, to be honest, because he's taking up a spot and within that, he's not really, he doesn't, he doesn't seem to be caring as much as he used to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, look, for me, uh, look, he, he's, Obviously, had a reputation of making a few mistakes, but there's no way that the mistakes I've seen the last three, four games that he has done that to the level of the last two years. Uh, he's it's been, just careless, careless, yeah. low, high percent, uh, low percentage, high risk stuff that just it just it looks completely ridiculous when it doesn't come off, and it doesn't come off, and you just yep. look stupid. Yeah, uh, I will say, and and you and you both make a good point. Uh, I think it's underappreciated how enormous the defence was last night for 66 inside 50s for 73 points. And I know Richmond, you know, 
you know, missed some shots and, and some were, you know, boundary line. There was three rush, three or four rush behinds. Uh, mm. So a lot of them was our hard work of why they may have not kicked the goal. But that's, you know, when you have Francis go down just after quarter time um, and Hurley has to get switched on to Lynch, you know, and he shuts Lynch out of the game. Like uh, mm. uh, I thought it was one of the most enormous uh, three quarters of a back six. I mean, Guelphie played by far the best game he's played for Essendon this year. I, I think uh, I've seen Guelphie this year play his worst game for the club and actually play one of his best games <laughs> for the club. And, and, yeah, and, no, I, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I thought Guelphie was fantastic last night. I agree with that, yeah. Yeah, and, and look, they, they kept us in the game. With that much, when you got that much rotation coming into the, into the back line, I thought it was an enormous effort. Uh, and the confusing part is, is... You could actually single out our midfield right and have individual kind of moments and you say, look, obviously Zach Merritt's had a very big game and you, you see Parrish with eight clearances. Um, and, and But yet, you know, it, it's a midfield that's really, uh, if I'm being honest, Ronnie, it, it's really got me concerned. Um, uh, and I've spoken about before that I, it doesn't feel – Right, like it doesn't feel like a cohesive, balanced midfield for me. It's it feels like, and we may talk about end of year processes and trades or, or drafting. It feels like it needs a little bit of a slight reshape to just to, for a better balance. Because the the difference with Richmond and, and you see Martin's strength around the ball and just um, and just I, I I can sort of see there what they can do and and it feels like. We're a little bit individual. I don't know what your thoughts, but I just feel like a midfield just does need a little bit of tinkering at the end of the year. No, I, I, there's a lot of that I agree with. I think um, I, I think Essen they've got um, the, the midfielders that they're they're just not. I just don't think they're damaging enough. Like you know, uh, as a collective, like you've got Merritt, Shield, McGrath, uh, Parish. Uh, uh, just uh, that's probably Smith, the four main. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Smith. I mean, Smith. Played, played it was good back. to see. Yeah, that, that's, listen, that, that's probably Smith's best game since 2018. I've got to say. Yeah, he yeah. played last night. I think it was really good to see because here's another one. I was really sort of thinking, well, where is he at this year? He just he's, he does stupid things, undisciplined things. It just didn't seem like he was putting in a hundred percent. And I'll you know a complete shadow of his 2018 form when he broke the, the all-time tackling record. You know what I mean? So. So it's good to see Smith finally put in a really good performance, and who knows, maybe that that knee injury that he suffered last year probably took maybe took a bit longer to fully really get over in terms of getting confidence in himself and his body because yep. it was a pretty serious injury. Like he was out for he copped it was it round five, round six last year, and didn't play again. So I mean yeah. that's that's not that's not uh, that's not nothing minor. So, Did so he... maybe maybe the wheels finally turning for Smith, and that's huge if that's the case because Essendon really needs. A guy like Smith firing off in a really important uh, piece of where Essen wants to go. Um, S- yep. Sorry, did, did you find that he actually played a bit of halfback um, last night? That's a that's how I kind of read it when I was watching a bit of the replay. I noticed how much he was um, around the halfback position. I thought, I wonder if they've actually just changed his role a bit and played him a little bit behind the ball just to just to get him into the play a bit more and like almost not. So much play the Connor role, but um, you know, it'd be interesting if you ever watch it again. It looked like on the replay when I saw it again. When oh, actually, have they switched switched him to a bit more of a half back role to to get him behind the ball and into the play a bit? 
Yeah, because I mean, Eddie's best is a really good user of the ball. Um, Eddie's very best. I mean, in twenty eighteen, he was he was fantastic. You know, and he won the he won the best and fairest in his first year. So, so if they're going to put him behind the ball to sort of play that sort of quarterback role and set up play and hit targets, and if he's up to that challenge and he can execute, well, then I think that's a good move because. Uh, you know, a, a, a Devin Smith at his best is makes Essendon a lot better, and we haven't seen Devin Smith at his best for a very long time. So it was good. Hopefully, for Essendon fans out there, he's finally turned that corner last night, and it's all uh, onwards nothing for him. That would be huge. Yeah. But getting back to your uh, initial question, original question about the midfield, yeah, I, I do think you know Zach Merritt's a beautiful footballer. Like he was, he was probably Essendon's best player again last night. It was just tremendous. You know, thirty-four touches, five appearances, and a. In the goal, oh, no, I think it was what was it five points? Well, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was five. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, and, and a goal. Uh, he was he was really good last night again. And yeah, you know, he's you know the, the knock on there is you know he, he's a bit of an accumulator, but not necessarily as damaging as some of the more elite midfielders in the comp. But I mean, if he, if he needs he needs help though, is what I think. I just don't think he's getting that help. I I, I think Seal Seal's not hasn't been as damaging as he was early in the season when people were even chatting was a potential Brownlow favourite. I mean that's it's a long time ago now, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think Steele overall has hit the heights that we that Essen would have liked when they recruited him. I just don't think he's sort of reached that level where um, the expectation has. Well, he's been a very good servant, no doubt about that. But I, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think that. Yeah, uh, as a collective, I don't think Merritt, uh, Steele, Parish, Smith. Uh, you can even throw McGrath in there. I mean, McGrath's probably the best user of the ball, uh, arguably, out of all those guys. Um, but as a collective, I just don't think as a group they're as damaging. They're not damaging enough. And yeah, and uh, I mean, how often do you see a team put a tagger on an on an SM midfielder? It doesn't happen too often from memory. Like, no, it doesn't. And, and that gives you that gives you that kind of gives you an insight to what opposition teams think. Of um of Essendon midfield, like they 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 know that they don't have to sacrifice a play because it's not that it's not that necessary. You know they'll, they'll probably they're probably thinking, oh, Essendon the, the, the midfield's going to butch the ball enough, we'll get the ball back anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Yep. So yeah. that's probably the that's probably the thinking behind that. Um, I think yeah, I, I, if, uh, looking towards next season, I, th- I think you mentioned twenty 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 one earlier. I really do think they they need. You know, whether it's from internal, whether it's some, whether someone pops up from the, you know, from the list that we haven't seen yet or someone externally through trade periods, I, I do think that midfield is missing one or two genuine real guns just to sort of beef it up. And we know Heppel's been a massive loss this year. I mean, that's, he really has. You know, Heppel, yeah. I think, you know, um, if people were doubting Heppel's leadership, um, you know, qualities heading into this season, I think 2020 shown just how important he is. He, he's to, to, to that Essendon team. Uh, he, he's he, like probably outside. Well, I mean, Danaher when he's fit, he, he hasn't been playing much footy recently. But outside of him and you know, probably String, I think Heffel's probably the most important player for that team. He's just a beautiful user of the ball. You don't, you, you hardly ever when Heffel's got the ball, you hardly, you ha, you're hardly ever in your mouth. He just knows when to do something um, good with it, and he brings composure. He brings a sense of calm to the team. And, you know, his, his absence has been huge this year, I think. One thing I will say is is when I I go to training quite a lot pre-season, I'm one of those nerdy analysis guys and sees how the youngsters are going. And um, one thing about I don't think people understand um, with Heppel, 
is how much leadership he has and it's how obvious it is. Like when you go to training, his voice, it stops everyone. Everyone stops when he's, you know, if he sees something, he's a lot more vocal than people think. Uh, and he has quite a strong command uh, over the group. I know he's Mr. Nice Guy and everything like that, but I think people underestimate, uh, underestimate how much of an influence he has on this list and how, you know, I see him put his arm around a youngster and, and, and it's like a, a grade five student with a, with a, with a, <laughs> with a principal. It's, it's instant kind of respect and okay, 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 you know, I get it. I need to do that. Um, and, and, you know, and, and just the fact that Heppel's a, a, a crash and bash kind of player too. And he, and he, and he leads that way as well. He's, he, he's, he's the physicality. I think we've also missed, not just the leadership, um, because, you know, if it's a tight game, he is the guy that, you know, his body just goes in to, to do whatever he can, uh, to, Absolutely. to win the game. Absolutely. I mean, let's not forget, he's not Australian. He was it two or three years ago. He finished top 10 in the coaches. AFLCA coaches, yeah, both yeah, yeah. MVP. I mean, you know, you, you, you're not a mug if you if you're doing that. You know, you're a, you're a, you're a genuinely very good player. And he's, tw- uh, and he's 28. Player. He's not 31. So there's still there's yeah. still there's still you know because uh, he's missed quite a bit through injury. There's still you know if he can come back, there's still two or three years of, of solid footy left in him if he if he wants to. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe after that, if if Essendon does need to beef up their midfield group, which I really think they do have to do. He might, he might, um, life might come full circle. He might go down back again for the twilight of his year. You know, he started in defence where he won his rising star in uh, 2011. He was a good and then, gra- okay. then, then graduated to the midfield. So, um, so he might, he might, he could very well end, end up back in defence. And I think a guy that can use the ball as well as he does. And more importantly, his decision making is so important in defence, you know, because, because a mistake, a mistake can so easily lead to a goal. So to have a, 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 a solid head, a level head like him in defence in two or three years' time. <laughs> after, after uh, you know, after he's done his 10, 12 years in the midfield, that, that could be a a good way to end his career. But yeah, uh, the mid, yeah the midfield is is a is a is a is a, is a bit of a worry for him at this at right this stage. But I guess that kind of leads well into a question that I've got, where. Um, I copped a little bit of heat recently from our uh, from a couple of our Patreons and a little bit on Bomber Blitz about uh, being a smidge too negative uh, about the Dons just at the moment. So I'll start off by saying, look, the Dreamtime game was an incredible spectacle in the NT. If it wasn't going to make um, Richmond and Essendon a couple of hundred thousand times, uh, a couple hundred thousand dollars every time it's played at the MCG, then it should be played in the NT every single day, right? So as a spectacle, it was great. And like Scott said, there were there were times there where we had, we played some reasonable footy. Uh, I'm not going to jump out on a limb and say we played particularly excellent footy, but it was pretty good. But we got beaten again, right? And again, with if you take half a dozen of those 42 extra um, inside 50s and turn them into goals, we end up getting beaten by 10 goals, right? So... The, the issue that I still have, and I'd love to get your opinion on it, is that we still seem to be just, there, there doesn't seem to be a game plan that I can see. And and I know that maybe because the, the players are out that we, we would normally run that game plan through, but I just, every time I look at the game, it's the same as we played last week. It's, 
It's get the ball, fire these little tiny handballs out of a pack, trying to get out and, and then that doesn't work. And then you end up kicking it over your shoulder or you just bomb it towards 50 and the Richmond guys just pick it off. The bit that I'm concerned about is that every single week we still continue to, to play the same. So are we just holding off this season and just trying to get through it? And then when trucks playing next year, we actually start a game plan <laughs> or is this it for Essendon? Is this how we're going to be playing moving forward? Well, if it's the first option, well, that's un- that's unforgivable, really. No season should ever be looked at, especially if you're if you're starting at four and one, five and two. No season should ever be looked at as just a stopgap. I mean, you're in it to win it. I mean, that's I mean that's what Essendon has always been. I mean, not not not, not necessarily. I think it's changed in the last twenty years. But growing up, growing up, you know, with Cheedy, with Cheedy as coach, Peter Jackson as CEO, and. Uh, Ray McMahon's president, you're all you're in it to win it. Or that's how, that's how Essendon was when they were a truly great club. Now, if that, yeah. if, if your first option, uh, if your first option is reality, well, then Essendon's in a lot more trouble than I actually thought. Because if you if you're viewing any season, especially as I said, when you're actually have a really good start at five two, you're going to view a season as just a stopgap and just a, a practice for the next year. Well, that's ridiculous. I mean, look at all these other clubs. Dying for another premiership. I don't care if the, if the grand final was played in Timbuktu. A, pre, a, a cup's up for grabs, you know. And you got you got to, you know, the best teams are still firing all cylinders, like the Long Richmond and West Coast. I mean, try to tell them that this year's a fake year, you know. So if they're going to look at this year as just a as just a um, you know a stopgap year, uh, that's, that's pretty unacceptable. I don't think that's the case. I just think no, I I, I don't honestly think that's the case either. But I, I guess what I'm what I'm trying to say is is that. I don't understand what we are as a team. I don't understand our game plan. Uh, identity at the moment, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What's our and, identity? yeah. yeah and, and, and the game plan has been, like, uh, I think it got uh, glaringly exposed against and killed them more than any other game. I mean, just take a mark in defence, stop, look sideways, look, look backwards, and then just gives the opposition so much time to set up, and then that builds the pressure on the the guy with the ball in defence because they see a sea of opposition players ahead of them. They they panic because they the pressure builds because they know they can't make a mistake. Otherwise, it leads to a turnover and it'll probably lead to a goal. So yeah, it's it's a, a real static sort of game plan. And the thing I find odd about it is, yeah, Essence had quite a few injuries this year. Probably one of the hardest hit clubs in the comp. Yeah. But they have still got enough. Like they're, they're one of their, one of their few weapons that they've been able to salvage is pace. They've, they've always had enough plays in that team. You know, Star, Tipamudi, McGrath, that's just off the top of my head. Real pace, and they're not exploiting it. Like, you know, they should be sure they're going to make mistakes, but I reckon you should, you know, they should they should roll the dice a bit more and try and break the lines a bit more and try and catch opposition defenses off guard a bit, you know, catch them off, you know, um, you know, bomb it forward if they catch them off guard and they're out of their defense is out of shape a bit. You know what I mean? Like that's what real pace can do. And Essendon still has. I mean, Merritt's a very quick player as well. And that's the four guys off the top of my head. I've just thought of. Um, and they're just not. They're just not um, exploiting that at all. It's a very conservative stop, wait, look sideways, look backwards, keep it around. It's you know, it's 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 pretty it's pretty it's ugly. Fr- and it's frustrating from a from a supporter's point of view. It's frustrating. Yeah, it doesn't seem. Yeah, like I said, the the curious thing about it, it just doesn't seem like 
they uh, they're keen on exploiting one of their one of their biggest assets, which is pace. It's a very yeah, it's a very restrictive counterintuitive game style. It's very like back to Kyoto game was probably the most glaring example. But it's it, very, it, yeah, it's very cautious. It looks re- very cool, and it's not going to work, especially against the better team. No. You know, Essen. Um, this is very much uh, the the being shown as more more than any other as just a real middle of the road team. They can they can get away with wins against. You know the bottom teams, and let me tell you, some of those wins were like hard fought scraps, which is not nothing yeah. to write home about. You know, against some of the worst teams in the comp, and they just don't they just don't stand a chance against the better teams. So they're just really in the middle of the road. I know they've got a lot of injuries. I get that, but you know, if you look at a side like Richmond, I mean, <laughs> their personnel issues have probably been as bad as anyone's, and that probably highlights how far off Essendon is. When yeah. you look at a team as good as Richmond, they can handle so many outs. And you compare it to how Essen handles their So I think well, lining Essen up against Richmond, very um, coincidentally, given they just played on the weekend, I think that just shows how far off the pace Essen is. Because people who say, oh, Essen's had lots of injuries, and they have. But Richmond, one of the best teams in the comp, they've had so many injuries, and they are still a premiership threat. So I think that really brings it into focus, how, how much work Essen has to do close the gap on the top ten. So let me let me get your um, Adrian Dodoro hat on, um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, who's a yeah, you could have a whole uh, podcast on, on its own discussion about recruiting. <laughs> um, so you you go in say look. Let, I'm going to be very honest. Uh, obviously, I don't think we're going to make the eight, <laughs> and uh, I mean, we we were actually still playing West Coast and Geelong and a few good and two teams that you know I, I just don't see us beating. I so, think Port Adelaide as well. <laughs> Port Adelaide, yeah. So uh, yeah. and uh, yeah, Melbourne's hit form, so that's nice. Um, so look, mm. say you know I. How I, I looked at the ladder, right, and went, you know what, I think we're going to end up around about 13th here. Uh, so say you, you've got like a, a pick five or six, which is a decent pick. Um, are you investing in youth? Uh, are you seeing what's up for offer on a trade? Like how, how are you um, looking at uh, how Essence list could be reshaped? Are you going two steps back, one step forward kind of approach or how, how are you looking at it? Yeah, it's a it's a good question. Um, I think uh, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I think this year's meant to be a pretty good draft crop, isn't it? Is that this year? Yeah, it is this year, isn't it? It's good for tools. Uh, I look. I had a chat to um to me actually off air, and I said because yeah. I sort of said, I mean, not to sound you know negative on Essendon, but I said I said, look, we're obviously going down to a top seven draft pick here, mate. So, so <laughs> what? And he said, look, at this draft is 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 got some. Uh, real quality tools. If you want tools, this is it. And and it leads probably to the Joe Danaher question. What? what, what uh, uh, sorry to add in a second question here, but it, I think it's not looking great. Um, and that's just without any knowledge on Joey. It just feels this inevit- inevitability uh, about Joey. But what are, what are your thoughts on that? And then if he did want to go, how are you approaching it? That's a long, a lot of questions. Sorry. <laughs> That's right. No, I, I think yeah. Like if you're going to look at it, it's probably you probably think more more likely than not likely Dan he is going to leave. Having said that, I still think Essendon should try and keep him. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I listen. This is. I remember watching him playing 2017. I remember thinking to myself, oh, I can't remember 
such an probably since Matthew Lloyd's first onto the scene. But but Santa's an even more of a different player. Like some of the things I've never seen a player that good, that young, do some of the things he was doing. I mean, he was doing things. I'm not saying he's as good as Buddy Franklin, but he was doing some very Franklin-like things in 2017. Like it was, yeah. he was just doing some freakish, freakish things for a big guy. So. That's still those memories are still very much in my mind. And if you can get anywhere near that, you, you know you'd be mad to get rid of him. But if he wants to go, that's a different story. Um, you know, it's, if he does go, I mean, the, 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 I think that the, the Bombers already have two untried key forwards on their list: Harry Jones and Noah Gowns from memory. Um, so you know, maybe that maybe they're the future. But if you you know. Essen's always had a great history of recruiting and developing key uh, position players slash ruckmen. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, Carlisle and Ryder before they left Essen, they were they were looking like very good players. I mean, I, I, like going off on a tangent, but I, I still Carlisle put together one of the best fortnights of football I've ever seen Essendon play put together in 2014 when he kicked about 12 goals and took about 35 marks in the space of two weeks or something like that. It was, I remember it was that. outrageous. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and then you're throwing Hurley, Hooker. Obviously, Fletcher's going to go a bit further back. Lloyd and those sorts of Lucas. That's it. Well, yeah, yeah, Ryder as well. So, Essendon, yeah, in terms of tall players, they've, always, they've had a pretty good strike rate in terms of developing Developing them. So if you're gonna gonna add a, a, another tall player to Gown and Jones, and maybe that's that's the way to go. Or they, they could also see maybe. I, I just don't think. My personal opinion is if you're going down the the road which they have done in recent years. So so they went out and got Smith, Stard, Stringer, and Shield. They're, they're clearly their chips are all in the table. They they they. That's a that's a statement in my opinion. That's it's a statement, statement of, of intent. We're in that's a statement now, of intent. Yeah. Correct. Going after going after premiership, and in that period, one final for a lot. Uh, you know, it's it's pretty bleak. Come on, and, come on, Ronnie. You got to have patience, mate. <laughs> don't you? Don't you know the message? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, patience. Yeah. yeah. Oh god. I'll, I'll I'll be here. I'll be hearing that uh, that word patience since my age. Yeah, just be patient. Just be patient. Yeah, listen. Um, so the, so it hasn't got off to a great start, but I think once you go down that road, which they've done, it's hard to sort, it's hard to go back and say, oh, hang on, now we're going to go down the the development path and long term stuff. Oh, it's just if that's the case, it's real mixed messages because mm. two years ago you put. I know it was a different world because Danaher was fully fit and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, the, the, the plan was to go down that road. and But now, you know, guys like Hooker and Hurley, they're not getting any younger. So it's sort of yeah. you know, that, that plan sort of hasn't, clearly hasn't gone to plan. So, uh, do you yeah, they're in, yeah, they're in an interesting interesting stage at the moment. Having said that, I mean, I know it's not looking likely, but Essen still is a game outside the eight. So it's not uh, completely. And That's they did the so, scary thing. And they did so. They did so against Richmond. I know it was a, It was probably they were helped by Richmond's inaccuracy, but you know they were still in the game in the last quarter, so they they are capable of turning it on. The well, they should, is, yeah, they, they should beat the Hawks this week. In fact, you know. Oh uh, well, if they don't win this week, they might as well just call it call the whole season off. You know, they might. That, that's when they should really start. Yeah. Yeah, treating this Play season as just a lost cause. Yeah, that's right. 
And look, um, I think what will be interesting though is the the dynamic is interesting because it's not Wusher next year, right? So it's not like his sixth year of a program. It, it, it's 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 who's now seen the list for for a short amount of time, and it's Truck who you know he uh, and I said this on the podcast, right? His attitude is going to change very quickly because it's now him that could get sacked. Uh, so. And so he's going to be, you know, I watch him at training. He's a very strong character. And it'll be interesting to see this off-season um, how they view the list. Uh, because as much as uh, the patience is being communicated by John Worsfold after uh, each game, it, it, it really is, is how Truck and Carousella, for me, view this club, view the list. Uh, and, you know, if I'm the coach and I go, you know what, I don't see a premiership in the next four years, and that means, you know, your hooker, Hurley, your Heppel's gone, then what do I do? Um, how do I assess that? Do I go then Do I they go then to the draft and, 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 and try and get a, 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 I don't know what the word is, mini rebuild? Because um, mm. uh, you've got plenty of 23 to 27-year-olds with the, you know, with your Merritt, Smith, Saad, you know, Shield, that kind of group that can still have success. So it's a, for me, it just comes down to how does the new coach next year uh, view in this off season? I'll be, I'll be so interested to see the how they do the list, who goes in, who goes out, um, and, and how they attack. If if I if I feel like they're going to trade a whole quite a few guys and to get a whole lot of draft picks, then I think I know my answer. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. The other thing too is that I think it's blatantly obvious that we, like you said, running that we need some more decent mids in there. One, two would be perfect if we could get those couple of guys in there. If we've got pick five or pick seven or seven or something like that, and we can package pick seven and I don't know a player like uh, Laverde or somebody like that, um, we can package those guys and get a half-decent, bigger-bodied, good user of the football, then surely that's got to be our priorities. Because like you said, I mean, if if there are good talls, everybody loves a good tall coming to their club and they're worth their weight in gold. But we do have Harrison Jones and, and Danaher maybe and Gown and those guys. So we've got a few of them coming up. But our really number one main issue is that midfield. We've got to get some more out-and-out skill in there. Skill, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and just damaging damaging touches you know i don't yep. i don't think i don't think essence midfield produces enough damaging possessions at the moment yep. and yeah. I, I think i think the forward line's as much of a concern as the midfield to be honest with you know, like it's, it's very much toothless for for, for for want of a better word and but we're and not helping them with the, sorry to interrupt no. Ronnie. we're not helping them mate with with the way we drop the ball on on um Waller's head and <laughs> how we're delivering the ball inside 50 man we so, I mean people owe people owe Hurley and that a christmas card um this year <laughs> because of the way that they did dispatch of 42 uh, entries into the back line but geez if i see somebody bombing from the square into the Essendon um forward line and it landing on Waller's head one more time i might go spare so <laughs> my, my my theory on that is which uh, if it's true i i'll be it would be pretty remarkable if it was true but my theory is i, I still think they're playing a game style as if Danaher's down there and they're waiting for Danaher to come back <laughs> and they just they're just not 
I'm being it's serious. Like, yeah, that, it's interesting, mate. And if that's the because what else could be, what else could, could be the the reason to see I week in week out, Essendon midfielders bombing it long to a non-existent key forward as if an, as if a key forward is down there. It's just it's insane, really. It's like he's like, got. Uh, they think Aaron Sanderlands is inside fifty. Yeah. It's like they're all taking hallucinogens and they all see like all these key forwards down there, but they're not there. Uh, it's really <laughs> weird. So. So, no, you make a very, very good point. The connection between the midfield and the forward lines overall has just been appalling this year. It's been shocking. Yeah. And, and, that, that, and, that, and then look at, look at Essence's percentage, 85%, and they've played all the, played all the bottom teams already. Right. The, yeah. the, the yeah. fallen over the line in most of those games against them, like games against Frio, Sydney, North, Adelaide, you know, just off the top of my head, Sydney, did I say Sydney? I mean, they, they, those it's games, they... Mental, they yeah. It was every game was a struggle. Like the, you know, these were some of the, the 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 worst teams in the comp, and it was a struggle to beat them. So even, I think even Gold yeah. Coast a draw, yeah. Gold Coast was a draw, and you know, Collingwood doesn't even look that close anymore. So that well, that the stocks of that win really have pumped in the last couple of months. <laughs> you know, at the time, it seemed like one of Essen's best ever wins, but in the in the subsequent couple of months, it's, if, if you're looking at it like a, a, a stock market, the, the, the shares have plummeted in that, in that yeah. result. So that doesn't, that doesn't look as impressive as it did at the night. So, well, yeah, yeah, um, for me, for yeah. me, Ronnie, just the, the Danaher decision, unfortunately, whether anyone likes it or not and frustrating it is, is the big call. It's like yeah. if he says, I'm committed to the club, it changes everything. You know, a Danaher stringer, Harrison Jones, and I say Harrison Jones because I've seen the kid in the preseason, and this kid can seriously play. Like he, when he gets some bulk on him, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. This kid will be a very good player. Uh, so you've, I, you Noah know, Gowns a little bit further behind, if I'm being honest. But the yep. the the Danaher decision is so big because it 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 just shapes where you focus. Um, because if, if Dan Hart leaves, you've got a, a forward line to fix and you've got a midfield to fix, and it's a that's a much bigger task in, in an off-season. If Dan Hart commits, I think you have a less likely, because of Harrison Jones, to address the forward line as much, especially when you've got the, the two Indigenous guys um, likely to be, you know, the next, next Cracker Brothers. Um, yeah. Uh, so... That's that's for me is shapes the off season where 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 Denahud's head is at is 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 the next strategy. No, I think you're, I think it's spot on because in my opinion, Denahud uh, is the centerpiece of that whole Game strategy plan, yeah. of going of going out to get those four guys that we mentioned to go uh, as part of that that tilt at a at a potential premiership. He was the centerpiece of that plan, and if he if he decides to go. Well then, yeah, you're right. Essendon will have to sort of re reevaluate where they're at, what the list strategy is going to be like, and as a flow effect, you know, some of the veterans might think, well, hang on, if we're if we're not playing for flags anymore, what am I doing here? So it has just an enormous ripple domino effect, and it could the 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 departure could lead to a lot of a lot of other departures in the next maybe twelve to twenty four months, and yep. Yep. who knows that that could give Essendon the ability to do something like what St Kilda did this year and just go out and get what you need. If that if that's able to yeah. free up some cap space, just pick pick and choose, you know, go out and get a Zach Jones or a Dan Butler or a Paddy Wright or whoever you need. So yeah. and St Kilda have done a great job of that this year. You know, they're gonna play they're gonna play finals this year. So yeah, it's it's, it's huge. You you you're spot on. The Danaher Danaher's decision, whether he stays or goes, that that will be just huge. 
Yeah, and look, just on a side note, I mean, obviously you, um, your, your, your paper, The Age, reported that um, Essendon's been looking at Graham as a as a possible approach. And and he actually had a very, very good game against us. I think he had 20, <laughs> 23 disposals and four clearances. So uh, Always the case, isn't it? <laughs> I know, so you, you do wonder if his stocks uh, just rose in the background of, uh, of, a, mm. of a, a classic second round <laughs> swap kind of situation. But That's it. Ronnie, thank you so much. You've, as normal, we've taken you over time. So sorry, we always... Uh, you, we always have Pleasure, great, boy. We absolutely love chatting to you, mate, uh, and you're always a friend to the show. So, um, yeah, um, you can catch Ronnie. Just look for The Age, Footyology. He, he does articles and reports for both. Uh, love his work. Um, but, yeah, that's us, the Lunchtime Catch-Up, signing off with you, Ronnie. Uh, thank you, my good friend, and have a great night. Uh, it's Sunday night here, so uh, have a great night, and um, we'll talk soon, eh? Will do, fellas. Take care. Catch you, Thank you, Ronnie. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Now then, big thank you to uh, Ronnie Lerner um, for his time on that um, on that interview. Great bloke, a massive um, friend of the podcast. You can find Ronnie Lerner at, um, at Footyology and, and at The Age. Um, a huge um, thank you again. He, was, uh, he, he went well and truly over time again for us, which we hugely appreciate. No, always good insights, Ronnie. Uh, passionate Essendon man. Uh, I, that's why I always like him on the show. You, you know what you're going to get. He's going to tell what he exactly thinks, and, and that's the kind of people I, I kind of want on the show as guests, and, and that's why we had the Rowan Connollys and people who just say, this is how I think, and, and, and yeah. say it, and, and that's that's what you want in a in a podcast. So big thanks to Ronnie. Now we've got a well, – let's go to our sponsor, man. Mate, we've got sponsors. We've got sponsors who keep this global and trending podcast uh, up and running, and when I say sponsors, I mean sponsor – <laughs> That'd be one sponsor. The one. <laughs> and it's the wonderful guys at Speaking Finance. Now, Speaking Finance uh, are finance brokers. Uh, they specialize in personal and business loans. Right. So, I mean, just say you're looking for a new car um, or used car for that matter. They can help with the, the paperwork for that, um, for that loan for your new car. So, you've just got yourself a promotion. Um, you're going to go out and buy yourself a brand new Beamer. Um, the guys at Speaking Finance can help you with the loan. They can source that for you. Um, I don't know, maybe you're a tradie. Speaking Finance um, can also help you with uh, business loans for new equipment or plant for that job site. Um, they find excellent loans for uh, for tradies as well. Um, maybe you're uh, you're on a job site in the Burbs uh, and you uh, you need a new um, forklift or something along those lines. The guys at Speaking Finance can help you out um, with the business loans for it. Um, maybe, I don't know, maybe you're uh, in the, the other end of town. Maybe you're Daniel Grollo. Um, you're building the new boardroom um, and one of your 15 boardrooms and you need a, a big loan. Um, I'm sure um, Steve and the boys at uh, Speaking Finance will be able to help you on that one as well. And I must admit, you know, you know, there's been lots of talk today about, you know, the the AFL lists and who's going to get cut and what's the salary going to be. And uh, and if you if you want Speaking Finance AFL or the Essendon Football Club, then uh, I, I highly <laughs> recommend their expertise because, one, they're mad Essendon people and, two, they know their finance really well. So uh, 
uh, yeah, if I'm the Essendon Football Club, I give uh, Speaking Finance a call and, and see see what they can do for them. See, see if they can get a little five percent discount going for that. Mate, for the I reckon the the bombers uh, the bombers listen clearly to the podcast, so I'm pretty sure they'll be ringing Speaking Finance, mate. So if you want to, if the if the guys, if you are listening at Essendon Football Club, um, give the founder <laughs> Steve or one of his finance uh, mortgage brokers um, a call. Um, you can actually also get them on their FB page. It's a really good way for them to uh, send them a message. They get back to you pretty quick um, on the FB page. Um, also, because they are such mad Essendon supporters, um, Steve and his boys are, and, and girls uh, are more than welcome to uh, talk Essendon with you as well. Um, we had a, a spirited discussion just recently on whether Joey D was coming back this season, when's he coming back, and then also we spoke about a finance loan for my new car. So um, Steve and the boys down there are more than happy to uh, to talk to you. Um, so I guess if you wanted to get hold of um, Steve and the guys at Speaking Finance, get hold of them on their Facebook page or speakingfinance.com.au. Um, they'll be able to help you out with um, the paperwork and source a good loan for you guys. So thanks very much to Steve and his team for being a sponsor of the Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast. Yeah, exactly. And feel, feel free to tell them that you heard it on the on the podcast show. So uh, yeah, absolutely. So, man, that, the, so they the can guys... have that connection and, and, see, and get you a a really good deal. So um, absolutely. It won't get you any further discounts or anything. Like it's, it's good. We have no weight in that regard, but it'll be really good. Steve will go, oh, yeah, I know those guys. So absolutely have a chat to Steve. You can at least tell you which midgets playing at center forward this week. So that's exactly right. Yeah. Asking that specific question. He loves that. Steve and the guys, they love that question. Um, whether or not it's going to be Devin Smith or, uh, or anybody that's Snelling. So yeah, yeah, that's it. So, right. yeah. So look, uh, we're going to kind of, in some ways, wrap it up on this side of things. So what happens next is I'm going to um, play a pre-recorded uh, interview that we had uh, with our friend Ben. Now, Ben, if you don't know, is very, very popular on um, Bomber Blitz. Um, ben FTI, I think he's... Uh, he's Potentially, kind of Scotty, sorry to interrupt, mate. For, for those that may or may not know what Bomber Blitz is, what is Bomber Blitz? Bomber Blitz is a, a fan... Uh, I guess blogging forum kind of thing, yep. uh, and you you know a lot of topics and discussions and and um, yeah, it's it has every kind of fan <laughs> you would say <laughs> that contributes. Uh, but you know you do get you know some really really good people on, on Bomber Blitz and and Ben Ben FTI yeah, is wonderful. obviously very 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 well known on social media for his passion for Indigenous uh, I guess Australia. Uh, and indigenous football and and, and uh, welfare. So we had a really good chat. He's got an amazing story to tell, uh, and I look. I, I genuinely think you'll you'll like it. So yeah, one uh, of our again, we say this a lot that it's one of our favorite interviews, but this one really is. Um, and we've had some great interviews with um, with Essendon players and uh, Ron Connolly and all of the the journalists that we've had have been great contributors. But a conversation like this from a bloke who's very passionate about what he does. Um, or what he did, and the knowledge that he has um, on uh, on the Indigenous world is is great. We really enjoyed every minute of it. So uh, we hope you guys will enjoy this next bit as well. Yeah, and look, before we sign off, just a big thanks to, to Luke Dempsey, Tom S, and Kim Demain just for uh, for your contributions to joining the Patreon this week. Very, very much appreciated. Uh, you can obviously join Patreon, hear all our extra shows for as low as $2, as mentioned before. Patreon.com forward slash lunchtime catch up <laughs> so here we are uh enjoy the next 30 minutes you really like it really in, in good inside stuff on on over mosquito uh lachlan johnson 
and what Dreamtime means. So I hope you enjoy it. But uh, this is us signing off and enjoy, Ben. See you guys. Now, Ben, uh, I guess it's a good, before we just go into the team change, it's good to mm. just get a little bit about you. Can you tell us a little bit about your, in a very high level way, <laughs> about uh, your how, life and and why you have that? How, kind of- how I came to be the sort of insufferable but consistent No, um, windswept and interesting person that yeah, you yeah. are. Yeah, well, um, it, it's, it's not something that, it's not something that I, je- I necessarily sought out. It, it's probably, and I think it's the case, and it, it might shock some people out here. I'm not indigenous, um, but I guess if I had to sort of quantify how how my passion for uh, indigenous culture and indigenous people came about was my best friend as a kid growing up, and I'm, t- I'm we're going back into the early '80s. Uh, my best friend as a kid was an Aboriginal kid. His name was Joey. And um, he moved into the street that I was living in. He lived two houses down and across the road. There was a house that was purchased by an organisation. I don't know if they're still in existence called the Aboriginal Co-op. They'd purchased a house and the the idea of the house was um, people that were moving down from communities to come to the city for usually education regions could live in this house while they settled. And, um, you know, when you, you know, pre-internet, pre-PlayStation, pre-all that sort of thing, when you're a kid... And your favorite thing in the world is football. And a kid moves in over the road and he's around your age and apparently appears to like footy as well. But that's pretty much ticking all the boxes in- to instant, be instant best mate. Best, instant right, best mate. Exactly right. Yep. So, and oh, my, oh, my heritage is Dutch. Um, and in the, and it's probably poignant to be talking about this sort of thing at the moment, but um, I was a Dutch kid in an area where the majority of the people were not of European descent. And, and I kind of, I, I, I guess I probably gravitated towards kids that weren't, um, cause I, you, I'm not, not anywhere near the level that other people experience, but, um, this is the eighties too in Dandenong and, um, and, you know, I sort of gravitated towards kids that weren't, um, from other parts of the world, shall we say? And to be honest, I didn't even know Joey was Aboriginal initially. I vividly, I still have it seared into my brain the moment I, I said, where are you from? <laughs> um, just out of interest. Yeah. yeah, just out of interest. Where you from? But anyway, we became great mates, and we had an oval at the end of our street. Like our our prim- there was a primary school at the end of our street. There was an oval, and I'm not joking. We'd be kicking a ball from the moment school clocked off till it got dark, and our parents were telling us to come home. Yeah. Um, and he was amazing, like uh, utterly, utterly amazing. And just to put it into context, uh, how good he was. In the area that I grew up in, and and our school and, and ended up being high school produced in our grade. There were two players that went on to play AFL: Chad Morrison and Michael Braun. Um, both were West Coast Premiership yep. players at West Coast. I remember yep. them. Yep. Um, um, Adam Ramanaskis was two years below us. He was from the next school across. Um, Brenna Favola, David Neitz was in our uh, went to a different high school, but we're all in the same age group. And Joey had every one of those guys covered. Wow. Um, and so now now he didn't get into organized football easily. Um, when I I was playing, I was playing, I played for uh, the mighty Lindale Pumas. And um, I'm trying to think of the luminaries that played for Lindale. Um, <laughs> oh, Glenn Archer. <laughs> oh, really? Nice. Yeah, yeah. Glenn Archer lived he, straight, he, straight back he, from us. My he goes okay. My sister played in the same team as Glenn Archer. Um, <laughs> nice. And um, 
I'm trying to think who else. Uh, uh, Mikko Dwyer, um, for instance, Kilda. Anyway, um, I we Joey just played in our school team. And I would, I, I desperately, it always amazed me he wasn't playing club footy. And I eventually, I wanted to get him into club footy. Um, so I went, so I talked him into saying, hey, you should come play for my team. Because I'm thinking this guy's going to be the difference maker between us beating your, your, your luminary teams like Silverton, where, where Chad and, and Michael were playing. And the ones we couldn't quite get over the line, I thought Joey's going to be the difference maker. So we get to his, um, we go and ask his mum. And his mum's like, I don't think they'd let him play. And that was really interesting to hear. And I'm like, why? He's amazing. Like, I couldn't understand it at that age. Anyway, I said, you got to come to training. My dad ended up intervening and said, no, no, we can make this happen. And um, and I, I don't want to speak ill of anyone because I think you have to realize this is a different time, right? Yeah. Um, so we bring him up to training. He jumps in a couple of drills. President of the clubs comes over. I can see him talking to my dad and – Anyway, for training finishes, Joey's looking like he's had a wow of a time. Um, the, the, the team had to have a meeting. The parents had a meeting to see if it was okay if Joey would play in our team. And I'm, I, I didn't quite understand what it was. Um, but I, I guess over the journey, once you actually start playing and then you start to pay attention to hearing what things that people are saying over the fence and it's your best friend and you're hearing people talk about, you know, yeah. saying – all sorts of things that, uh, let's be honest, at t- at, I played with him from sort of under 10s to 15s, you know, that a 10, 11, 12, 13, 14-year-old kid should not hear yeah. when playing a game of footy. It's beyond just, hey, you're being teared apart by this kid. And the better he played, the worse it got. Yeah. yeah. And um, and anyway, I, I, I mean, this, 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 this discussion could take a really long time, but I'll, I'll – I guess we, 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 his family ended up moving out of our area when we were in our teens. I think largely because they felt they needed to be around Indigenous people more and they moved to the other side of town. Yeah. And then um, I thought, I guess I got, uh, I mean, aside from the footy stuff, like I got to sort of start to see what he he went through as an Aboriginal person in a, in a non-Aboriginal world. Um, and I always sort of said to myself, no, I've got to be a champion for this situation because everything that gets accused of him and said of him and done of this is not true. This is just a kid trying to do his best in the world. Um, and I guess some years later, um, and I, like after we'd, uh, after we'd sort of lost contact with one another, um, I found out that he'd, he'd suffered um, – uh, I'm trying to think of the most – Oh, the easiest way to say this, he he'd suffered uh, a brain injury, um, and it was to do with an incident that he'd gone through. And I think I said to myself, I need to be more than just someone who who sits there and and, and defends people when I see something wrong. Mm. And so at the time, I was I was doing various other, like the sort of more traditionally a traditional job, and I, I sort of quit that. And um and went and studied and worked as a social worker and specialised in working with um, indigenous kids largely, awesome. um for a number of years. Um, the whole footy thing sort of started to tie in because um I've always I, I mean I, I played footy up until I probably got a bit too broken to play, mm-hmm. um and I'd sort of I, I I was never at the level of these other guys. I'll, I'll I'll set that out straight. I mean, I played. I had I had a little bit of a look in with the Dandong Stingrays when it was the VSFL, um, and I played VAFA footy. It did one level, but 
Um, when we used to, we used to have to travel the country a lot uh, for my wife's work. She's a she's a, a research scientist, so we lived in sort of South Australia, and I started seeing uh, having a bit to do with. Uh, there's a number of programs in South Australia, particularly Ross Trevor high school does a great job of offering scholarships to kids coming down from Darwin and did some work with them. And I guess the two started to become hand in hand, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. When you, when you start working with Aboriginal kids, sports are the great enabler in Australia, like opportunities will present themselves to anyone from any background. If you're, if you, if you've got a talent in sport Yep. Um, and none more so in this country than football. And football is very much the great enabler of Aboriginal people who are looking for an opportunity to not just express themselves, but also potentially, I guess, see more of the uh, more of the country. But and it's and it's definitely potentially a, a, a opportunity. The numbers don't lie when you actually sit down. And, like Aboriginal people are overrepresented in the AFL when it comes to playing. Like they're such a small percentage of the population, but their percentage of AFL players is 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 ten times their representative in the population. Um, and it's something that you sort of see ebb and flow over the journey. Um, yeah, where the opportunities appear to, I guess, sometimes to me it's, it's sort of a maths thing as well. It's sort of like a well, well, you have a look at how many great Aboriginal. Look at the let's look at the Tiwi Islands for example. So I've been to the Tiwi a couple of times. The Tiwi Islands got about two and a half thousand people on it, but they've produced something like nine AFL players, um, three Norm Smith medalists, and you're like, well, if I was, you know, if I was in recruiting and I'm looking for a player, if I wanted to be most efficient with my scouting, why would I not go there? And have yeah. a look at what's <laughs> absolutely. It, it weirdly doesn't happen though, and that's the thing that I always used to do. I couldn't understand. I'm like, you know, Gavin Wanganin wins a Brownlow, Michael Long wins a Norm Smith Medal, um, Buddy Franklin's the best forward in the competition, and I think why don't people spend more time focusing on? And this is when I started to sort of tie back into the drafting thing. Yeah. Why don't people spend more time focusing on Aboriginal people? So when you through the contacts that you know through footy and the contacts that you know through 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 social work, you start to uh, and you I would uh, by that stage too I was I was touching base a lot with um Contaf academies in various places that I was living. It was always a good you'd always end up associated with them in some capacity. And Contaf actually extends past footy these days as well. Like when I was in Brisbane, there's Contaf academies for NRL, and it's a great 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 program. Yeah. Um, and you start to you start to see that. On top of the, there's people talk about bridging a gap. On top of the gap that exists for kids to get the opportunity to be in situations like that, they just don't follow the same path. Aboriginal people don't follow the same path to the AFL that non Aboriginal people do for the most part. A small portion come from suburban city places, they, they're almost always coming from either the, either the outer, 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 outer suburbs or in cases like like Walla from communities. And I think the average Australian doesn't realise what a community is like. They can be great, but they can be really, really, really tough places to be. And it's another world. It is another world. Like um, there, and, to, and when you sit there and think to yourself, like I can remember when Walla came to the club, I was having a discussion with someone. He came at the ra- around the same time as Conor McKenna did. Yeah. And I said, I mean, I know he'd been down in Gippsland, right? Um, before he came, but the world that he came from is further removed 
from the world he's in now than what Conor McKinnon would have coming over from Ireland. Yeah, I can believe that. Yeah. Um, most of the time, communities have got several language groups, which are probably spoken in priority over English. Um, like I did a lot of work in a community um, in, in – I, I, I won't name the name um, – where they didn't have clean running water. Yep. Um, and and the only news you hear about that, it's all in perceptions too, because the only news you hear about that community is that, oh, there's, there's a big alcohol problem there. And you're like, well, there's a big alcohol problem there because it's 45 degrees every day and they don't have clean drinking water and yeah. you can get a slab of Forex for cheaper than you can get five litres of drinking water. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think people are going to drink? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Um, And when you start to factor all that in and – I, I started to see, hang on, I, I feel like there's perceptions here that, that one thing that seems to be lacking when it comes to um, these days to get drafted, you don't just have to go through the right pass. You also need to have a good team of people behind you to help get your name into places where they need to get, need to be. Yep. And I don't think, I didn't think there was anyone doing that for Aboriginal kids. Yep. So, and this is going, we're going back a number of years now. I'm talking, we're talking pre, in an SN time scale, we're talking like pre Leroy Jetta. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. I realized that, hang on, no one's really hammering home this. And that's when I started doing that annual. And because by this stage, I people knew I liked footy and I'd, I'd been in Queensland and South Australia and Territory and WA over the journey. I knew people from the footy scenes around there and they knew that I'd always work with you know, had had things to do with Aboriginal kids that they'd be like, okay, I'd start to get the, oh, oh, you should look at this. You should look at this guy, Paddy Ryder. You should look at this guy. Um, and you'd start to get people telling you about how good this, this kid coming in is. And I thought, I need to put this to good use. Like I'm hearing about players that other people might not. I mean, people would hear about Paddy Ryder, but they might not hear about, say, Zephaniah Skinner because um, he's in Halls Creek. Um, so I'm like, oh, someone needs to start making noise about this kid. Right, and because I start, you start to see footage, and like you know what, I can see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and then, and then you know, so someone needs to start making noise about this, and I guess that eventually become me to the point that like I'll get writers from papers contact me to sort of say, hey, I need to find out more about this kid. How do I go about doing it? Um, you know, and I'll be you know helping them sort of gain entry into the various communities. You need to speak to this elder. You need to. Or this guy from this club, and he will put you in contact with the people you need to, and it sort of sort of became an intermediary. At loss of a better way to explain it, yeah. Okay. But that's probably what. Yeah, that's a very long. <laughs> that's a nice. that's a very long explanation <laughs> to how it sort of came about. I mean, last couple of years it's died off a little bit because I've had to. We've shifted states like twice, and I haven't had as much to do with junior footy in the last couple of years. Um, but the passion's but still there. <laughs> the passion's still there. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Look, and I think that'll ever go. <laughs> because at the end of the day, you, when yep. you start watching as much um, Indigenous footy as I have, it's the footy I enjoy the most, really. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love my AFL, but I'll happily sit down and watch the Tiwi, the Tiwi, bomb, the Tiwi Island Grand Final. That's just incredible. Yes, yeah. No, I bet. Two stoppages the whole game. So how exciting, <laughs> how as exciting is it to hear at 6.30 today that Evan Mosquito is going to debut? Oh, brilliant. I mean, look, I, I, I'm one of those people who will be like, who'll be calling for – I try and hold, rein myself in. Don't get me wrong. I, I mean, I'll be sitting there in the back of my mind hoping he gets a round one 
you know, got him round one the year he was drafted, and he did too, by the way. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, was he was he that confident he oh, wanted to play he, round one? He, he'd set himself the goal when he got drafted that he was going to be in the round one side. This, you know, he drafted in November. He was going to be in round one 2019. He was going to. Play. I like it. I yeah. like it. Yeah, that was the, like that was in his mind. He was like, I'm going to do this. Um, and like, buddy, you know, he did schooling last year, so he finished his VCE, but he didn't seem to think that was should be a great inhibitor. Um, he also, let's be honest, he it was probably he needed to um he, he probably needed to work on. He, Irv is 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 if if either of you get and anyone who listens to the show gets the opportunity to meet him, he is a fantastic kid, and he loves footy like in a way you don't often see people love footy. Um, yep. he loves. I would imagine he still loves footy in twenty twenty the same way he would have loved it when he was eight years old. Yeah, it's his whole no, that's, life. That's what you want to see. That's yeah. what you want to see. Uh, and, and you know, you spend time around a lot of foot, you know, footballers over the journey as a player and stuff like that. And that at, at some point they'll, they'll enjoy footy. Don't get me wrong, but especially in the AFL environment, it's a job. Mm. Irv hasn't realised it's a job yet, <laughs> right? <laughs> he just loves. He's still the, he's still interested in getting a kick. Yeah, well, that's it. I, and you know, he he just loves getting out there and playing. That's mm. and. Did any of you guys watch the uh, front bar last Shady on the front bar last night? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He said something really absolutely spot on. Like, I think Andy Ma asked him and said, what is it that Indigenous people bring to the game? And and she said, unstructured footy. Mm. Right? Yeah. And oh, that, I think that's a, a, such a pertinent thing to say, especially the way the modern game is now where – yeah, if you went and watched a game of footy 30 years ago, everyone lines up in their positions, forward, stay forward, back, stay back. And now yeah. it's it's all players and just travel up and down in the third of the ground. Kind of like watching an under-nines game before they'd loom. Yeah, it is. It is. It's right. funny. I used to always think an opposition coach would have the most nightmares trying to counteract an Indigenous player on the opposite team because of their just – Unpredictability. Unpredictability. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. And and Irv plays with that passion. Does that make sense? Mm. So yeah. and he plays with that. He, he Irving plays, and I got the I got the word on Irving when he was at Gippsland. So, you know, hey, this kid's good. And actually, the first word about how good he was came from um, my godson, who was playing for Eastern Rangers, and because he knows sort of how my you know where my uh, passions lie. And he said, "Hey, I played on this kid today," and he towed me up. Um, oh really? His name's, and his name's Irving Mosquito. Now, now Irving's not the first mosquito to get on radars. By the way, there's been a couple of mosquitoes. First names are escaping me, but Tiwi's got a mosquito population, and I don't. I'm not meaning that as a pun. <laughs> no, no, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, and and there and there's a several northern WA, obviously with with Irving being from Falls, but he's not the first mosquito to pull on the boots and get within ballpark of the AFL. But he's um. It, 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 but no, it's great. Like I didn't do one of my lists in the year we drafted Irv, but I did mention about uh, about th- three months out from the draft before I even knew we were interested in him. If I was Adrian Dodoro, I'd be trying to outbid Hawthorne on this kid because I think he's fantastic. Mm. I don't like making comparisons. I, I'll use comparisons to try and get people who are naysayers to see what I'm seeing in a player, but there is a lot of Sirioli the way that Irving plays. Mm. And I don't want to I like the, the sound pressure. of that. Yeah. I don't want to put the pressure on the kid, right? And, and you know what? He'll be oblivious to it anyway. But um, but that's the style that he plays. He's not – he can do it. Don't get me wrong. He can be your fall of the ball crumbing small forward at the, fo- at the foot of the pack 
inside 30 metres of goal. He can play that position. But his best footy is that wing, that ball carrier half-forward wing. Yeah. Okay. Like Cyril, like what Cyril was. Pinch hits in the midfield. His real strength is his ability to change direction at pace. Mm. So, like, yeah, you know, he, he shifts direction so fast that he probably would generate some sort of lateral G when he does it. Like, okay. full ball, like, he could be at flat, and this is where he gets, guys. So, he can he can have the ball and at, and at flat stick, and his flat stick's quick. Um, at flat stick, he can, he can suddenly shift direction at a rate I've never seen anyone be able to keep their feet with trying to keep up. Does that make if they're running at him ways, he will be around them. Like he has this great ability to shift direction. And he's a lovely kick of the ball. But Davy, Davy, um, Alan Davy was a little bit was a very good at high speed direction change. Yeah, and, and Andy Lovett as well. Yeah. Andy Lovett. So he's got that he's a bit of bit of the Andy Lovett sort of ability to shift direction. But um whereas like so Waller's more sort of stop and prop, as mm. in he's he's good at ducking in and out of traffic, and Waller's real strength is he's He's, he's burst from a standstill, like yeah. his ability to hit pace quickly um, and and sort of get take off before anyone else has realized he's on the move again. Yep. Um, whereas Irv's more, he can, he's got a bit of that, but he's real, as I said, his real strength is that shifting direction. So where he will be beneficial to the team, and I hope he gets to be in this opportunity tomorrow night, is being that person to that entry pass into the into inside fifty. Yeah. If you okay. That footage that's on the club site um, about the, um, the the scratch match. Yeah, the the goals he kicks early are great, and that pickup he does that sets up the one I think Ham kicks is is really nice too. Yeah, you'll see him shift the direction there too. You'll see how quickly he sort of he moves about a meter and a half to the left, like running the straight line, and then he almost skips across. Um, but the real strength that he'll bring to the team, and where I think we could really benefit, is there's a about a two minute mark of that video. He's carrying the ball through the center. I can't remember if he takes a bounce or not, but he kicks it to the to the forwards. Now, what he does, and this is key, is he puts the ball at the front of the pack. Mm. We okay. um, we don't do that. We kick it on top of the pack or over yeah, the back. Exactly right? right. He's he just knows how to put a ball in a place that best fits the person who he's intending to end up with it. Do you know and what he's I mean? Got the, and he's got the foot skills to do it. Yeah, and he's got a beautiful left foot kick, like Michael yeah. Long level left foot kick. Okay. Michael Long on the left. Yeah, very – yeah. He's a bit of a mismatch of a lot of different players, but overall I'd say he's he's got an element of surreality, a little bit of Andy Lovett and, and, and Michael Long's left boot. Just as on a community sense, how important is the dream time um, to, I guess – uh, I guess Indigenous Australians, and, and and can I just ask a two-part question? The importance of Dreamtime too, and and can you also just reflect about what the communication this week with the AFL and, and players just putting in a bit of a statement about claiming their flag, the Aboriginal flag? Um, I, I just wanted to, to get those two topics about the significance of both. If you're there, Benny, you're there, Benny. <laughs> well, he's on, I, I, there he is. I'm muted. I'm back. No, um, to your first point, that's um, Dreamtime's enormous um, it, it, for a multitude of reasons. First and foremost, it in celebra- it celebrates the um, the contribution of Indigenous people to the game, 
right? And that, and I think on the face value, that's what a lot of people sort of associate with it. And you definitely you can't undersell that in any way, shape, or form. The, the contribution of you know, when you look at the, over the greats of the indigenous greats that have played the game, you know, champions, Brownlow medalists, Norseith medalists, like just the, the greats of the game, full stop. Like, yeah, exactly yeah, they're, right. They're, they're exactly, exactly right. Now. From a community level, and probably to further to the point of what Scott was asking, what that means to the rest of Indigenous Australia is you don't often get Aboriginal people looked at in such a positive way, right? Yeah. And that is very, very empowering um, for Aboriginal people right across the country. It's become, and Shetty's just done, done an amazing job with this, and so is the AFL in Richmond and Essendon, is that it also puts the culture into the spotlight as well. Like it's a, yeah. and it's a very, and, and it's genuinely a celebration of Aboriginal culture and Aboriginal people. And when you sit and think about it, that doesn't really happen at any other time in any other facet. We have NIDOC week and we have Sorry Day and these sorts of things, but Dreamtime really promotes the positive contribution of Aboriginal people to something that is intrinsic to Australian culture in general. And that is an incredible thing. It really, like, and that goes above and beyond football. Um, football, and I think I said this earlier, football is a great enabler of Aboriginal people, but I don't think what people, what most people realise is football can be a matter of life and death. And I mean this very literally. Um, opportunity to play football and pathways remaining open is it can be a key pillar of hope with Aboriginal people in, in the community. Yep. Um, suicide is a really prevalent thing amongst Aboriginal males, right? The, 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 the highest demographic for suicide in Australia is Aboriginal male, yep. right? Okay. And the highest demographic of youth suicide in Australia per capita is Aboriginal youth. And opportunity for people achieving their dream needs to be held open with a crowbar at all times. These kids need to know that that potential if they knuckle down. And the thing is, what, what I found in my experience, particularly with youth work and social work with Aboriginal kids is that providing the opportunity for them to play sport, whether they make it to the highest level or not, brings about not just positive self-image, but positive diet, positive lifestyle, positive health outcomes. And that gets shared within the community too. Like you will see communities where if they've got a kid who's a chance and they need to make a few lifestyle changes, then the community adopts those changes along with the, with the kid. Yeah. And and that so so that the health benefits and the outcomes extend past that kid, and, and that's a big part. That's a big part of why I I push so hard because I understand that that the the pathway needs to remain open. If I had my way, like the 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 the, the NGAs are great, and and. It's something I was always hoping was going to happen long before it became a thing. I think I, I think I actually spoke to the Herald Sun about it as an idea a number of years back. But um, they, I really wish there's all this talk that the NGAs might be changed or removed completely. But the AFL need to understand how important and how good a work these programs are already having in the communities where they are. And it will be like removing government funding from 
a community in desperate need of support and assistance. It's, it empowers these communities. Essendon's got the Tiwi Islands. They've done a great job with the VFLW, first off. We haven't seen the benefit yet in our, on, on the men's team and in the senior list. Hopefully that changes in the next year or two. I think it will. Um, but we need to understand just how important it is to keep these programs running because it gets full community buy-in in yeah, the right. places where they run right across right across Australia. It has to stay in place. It has to stay in place. But I think that what they need to do is make it a little bit less of this, oh, we've got this kid who's from Calder and he had a grandmother. And look, we're, we're about to fully benefit from that this year with, with, with our picks, which our academy members from Calder. I think they need to open an opportunity that I think every list should have one kid on a B from their remote community. Yep. That's a good idea. That, that really needs idea. to happen. That really needs to happen. Um, because just having that, let's say we get just one kid, just one kid, that whole community gets an uplift in places, the parts of the country that need it so badly. Um, they get that uplifting thing um, that, that that builds up the confidence in their community that not just not just for the family but all the other kids go this could be me if I do the right thing this could be me and I can't yeah, um, a, that sounds important I can't yeah. press the importance of that so much it's it's yeah. football has done more for Aboriginal people and the way the rest of Australia sees Aboriginal people than just about anything um, we we have to fight to do that even stronger. There's no end game here. There's no number that says this is the amount of Aboriginal people we need playing the game. It just it needs to be. And like a lot of people push back on me when I have the conversation. Oh, AFL's not a charity. The football club's not a charity. No, you're right. But I don't know about you fellas, but in my mind, I would rather help a kid from a community somewhere assimilate into Australia. Sorry, into into a into a, into a city. Um, and see that as the same as we drafted a kid who needs to work on his kicking. Yeah. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? I can see it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, and I think it's an investment that's worthwhile and will pay dividends. So just quickly, look, we've only got a couple of minutes left. Um, just quickly, the, the, the flag um, situation. Now, now mm. the, I think the history of this is obviously that it's really um, – uh, not the word corporate, but it's just the, the actual flag is, is owned and they're wanting to release that ownership right. So – so Indigenous can use the flag and and have it as their own. Is that pretty much? Uh, kind of. So the Aboriginal flag was, oh, for, the name's just drawn blank. And the weirdest thing is my daughter homeschooling this week did a school project <laughs> on the guy who designed the Aboriginal flag. But um, And I, and his name's just escaped me. Um, essentially, the Aboriginal flag was bought by a, a company called Wham Clothing. Yeah. And they've essentially, if you want to use it in any, like I think, if you want to use it on clothing apparel or the AFL want to use it to promote Indigenous route, they have to pay a licensing fee to gain access to it. So that Save the Flag is like uh, Eddie Betts was talking about it last night on, um, and I noticed Nat Rat um, tweeted about it today as well, yep. is about buying that flag back and then allowing it to be free for use. Yeah. I, I, look, I don't think there's anyone out there that thinks, I mean, I'm sure there people are because it happened, but... A flag shouldn't be something that you have to license. It's not a logo. It's not a brand. Yeah. And it was, Harold, it, it, was it Harold Thomas? Sorry. Just... Harold Thomas. That's it. Yep, yep. Spot on. I was going to say Harold Holt. <laughs> no, no, no. He went for a no. swim. No, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, it's yeah, it's not. Um, it's it. 
it's something that's linked to a group of people. But you know, I can remember how. Well, I can't wrap around. You know, we talk about changing the Australian flag debate over the years, but a lot of people say, "Oh, we should make it the Aboriginal flag and whatever, or Aboriginal flag with the with the Southern Cross on it, or something along these lines." How has it gone from this is the identity of this country to this is something you have to pay a licensing fee for? Yeah, it's it's yeah. not like it's not like running out there and you know with the Nike swoosh. Yeah, and yeah. saying using that without permission, like it's it's not that it's not a brand. It's 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 yeah. It's I, I, man, I think culture. somebody's somebody's designed it, and look, somebody's somebody's owned it. It hasn't sort of come from a generic situation, but this bloke's designed it, and he's he sold it to somebody with copyright. But I guess in a situation like this, mate, it's it's so intrinsically linked to the Aboriginal community that. Yeah. If I tell you what, if this this clothing brand is cannot be thinking they're getting any sort of good, no, um, no, out and of this I, process, I, I, I think that's probably what the circuit breaker in this whole thing is going to be. The the backlash they're they're now they're now copying for this is probably going to make them hopefully do the right thing. Oh, look, don't get me wrong. I can. I mean, I haven't looked heavily into what sort of eventuated to have us in the position that we're in now, but. I, it'll be it'll be something along the lines that Harold would have designed it. Yep. Probably got nothing for it. And which is pretty common with Aboriginal artists. They 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 one one thing that happens bubbling below the surface surface is they do get taken advantage of at a high, high level. Um yeah. and someone's got in his ear and said, You need to be made you need to have made some money out of this. And they've said this is the way to do it. And he's probably said, All right, I'll go along with it. Yeah, I true. think I think with the with the market that's happening at the moment, always on the market, the um the the you know the media that it's attention that it's got, hopefully that moves things into the right direction. And I think people want to do the right thing too and make sure Harold does see some benefit out of it. But by that same token, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. To make it free for other people. Now, yeah, I think that's uh, th- sorry, go for it, Scotty. Oh, I was only going to say. Um, uh, I was only going to do a bit more of a closer wrap up, <laughs> but I, I, yes, I, I forgot to ask you one quick question and you need to make this quick. Sorry. Cause we're well over time. You, obviously with your insights, you might know Lachlan Johnson who hasn't played for Essendon yes. this year, been out injured mm. all year, but obviously yeah. he's, you know, he's actually started light training. So he's, he's getting that point where, you know, Next year, he should be right to go. Can you tell us a, just a 30-second thing about his background and, and what he's like? Real ball player, hard, hard as a cat's head. We want an inside player. He could be that. He's also a really good user. He can kick a goal. I watched him play live once, and he got 28 possessions. Um, I, I just hope that he can get on the park and have time to show us what he's capable of. If there is a list squeeze coming, it's going to be hard for him, but mm. – I. People are underrating. I think the average person that doesn't know much of him because he didn't play hardly anything in his 18th year because of his knee. But uh, he could turn out to be the best pick that we got this year if he gets his chance. That's a decent call. All right. Uh, Grant, do we have any new Patreons, by the way, before we close? Yes, out? mate. Oh, yes, we do. And um, well, well, well said, Scotty, <laughs> well said. as I scramble now to my phone um, and grab the Patreon app. It's very handy. There it is. Um, some new people we've got. Look, I think we had one tonight. A great name. Great name. I like this name. It's a strong name. Tom Hempenstall. Love it. Love yeah. that name. Um, <laughs> Stephen Whirl, W-E-H-R-L-E. Go for it, Scotty. Was it? W-H- W-E-H-R-L-E. Whirl. 
world. world. Yeah, no, good. I'm on there. Uh, Mr. Chris Ramsey, Joel, just one word, like Madonna, one word, Joel. Um, <laughs> Simon Thomas, Anthony O.O. O'Dwyer, Daniel, um, and we're back down into some of our uh, some of the patrons that I've mentioned before, and Rezel Coker, Daniel Collins, Sam Allardyce, um, Robert Militech, Sean Dalton, Tony Fiority. So a massive thank you to those guys, and especially the guys and girls that have um, uh, that have signed up just recently. Um, Lunch. I was I was about to uh, plug the Patreon to the actual Patreons then, which was silly. But you guys know where to go <laughs> because you're already Patreons. So thank you very much, guys, for joining up. We appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, so much, uh, so much appreciated. Hey, Ben, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, perfect guest for for this week and and, and this round. So I uh, can't thank you enough, mate. No worries, Thanks very much, Ben. Any, any time. So uh, that's uh, that's us. The team changes. A bit of a, a longer, fuller show, but uh, it's been fun yep. and, and it's been an important discussion. Uh, and and um, agree. Yeah. So uh, we took a lot of value out of it. So. Uh, thank you so much. We're obviously playing tomorrow, so we'll do a, a quick after reaction show directly after the game. Um, please be a good result because we come on, boys. Come on, boys. I don't give a crap if it's four points. I just, it'd be made. It'd be great at four points. Could one you point. I take another draw. Oh, absolutely. But could you imagine? Mozzie's got a massive smile anyway. But could you imagine if we get up by two points, the kid's f- smile is going to just oh encompass his entire head. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it just will be one enormous it's smile. The smiling emoji. The smiling emoji. He is and all. He will be the smiling emoji. And, <laughs> and it was a. It was a uh, quite a. Uh, quite a an odd, bizarre touch that when they announced Mozzie yesterday, it was uh, International uh, Mosquito Day. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was that's I know. hilarious, brilliant. So uh, yeah, just uh, just how funny how things work out. All right, thanks guys. Uh, see you tomorrow night for our reaction show, and then we'll do our main show not long after that. So this is the Lunchtime Catch Up Podcast signing off. Thanks guys. <laughs>